Hello, you're listening to Tom and his podcast. This time I'm interviewing author Joe Craig. It's a long one compared to the last podcast I did because we just we just clicked in a really non-homosexual way. There was a good vibe. He was eating cake. Um, it was fun. There are, I have actually cut it down a bit this time because there were lots of sort of noise interferences and um, to try and make it slightly shorter for those of you who have complained in the past about a long podcast um other than that though really really good interview enjoy so hi joe hello how you doing i'm okay thanks are you enjoying that cake loving the cake fantastic you can watch joe eat the cake if you go to my youtube page youtube.com tominus however joe we're talking about you not (laughs) not me um so would you quickly summarize yourself in a sentence or two i can attempt to do that um Hi, I'm Joe Craig. I'm a writer, screenwriter, musician, and all-round person <laughs> of You're the a... world. Person uh, of the world. Style not. icon. Style icon. That's okay, what I am. Yeah. Yeah. Say person of the world makes you sound a bit. Um... Yeah. What? Like a tramp. One term. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No, I'm not a person of the world then. I'm, I'm <laughs> not that. That's going to be on my business cards. From now. Not, not a tramp. Joe Craig. Well, I don't know the way you're style icon slash not a tramp off the street. Yes, this chair. If if you're watching this, the video version of this, this Mm. chair was found on the street. And I with a man in it. I pulled the man out, (laughs) beat him to the floor, said, "Give me that chair." He he gave in. Yeah, I stole his clothes as well. Mm. The man was waiting for his wheelchair to be delivered. (laughs) (laughs) Joe just didn't care. He wanted this chair. no, but sort of branching that out, I'm sitting on a chair and using yeah. a table, indeed, which has been found on the street. Your sofa yeah. has been given to you, coffee table. Yeah. Your house, your house is, are you squatting? <laughs> <laughs> is the first question I feel I should ask. That's, that's a question that most guests to my house ask. <laughs> but and the owner. As soon as they walk through the door, they go, my God, are you squatting? <laughs> yeah, or something like that. So, you're not. You own your house. Uh, well, you rent your house. Oh yeah, it's um, it's where I live. Oh okay. <laughs> I like to call it living rather than squatting. Yeah. Gives you a sense of dignity. Perhaps. If you change the vowel sounds in those words, you get you get loving and squitting. You do. Well, living, sort of. li- loving and squitting, which <laughs> nice. <laughs> Squits should be the name of a play. What living and squitting? Lo- loving and squitting. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but squits is American for diarrhea. I don't. Yeah, think. I think that's why I think that's. We're going to have brilliant on, on Broadway. We're an off-Broadway Write production. It. Write it. Starring Elijah Wood. Mm. Topical man. Yeah. He'll do it. He'll do anything. He'd do anything. Yeah, he'd do anything. He'd, he'd do. <laughs> he talks to a man dressed up as a giant dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> at this point in time, his career is definitely. Well, a good play. Write him that play. Yes, write him that play. Let's discuss your career. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get somewhere. Um, this is going to be such a good interview. Your <laughs> Predominantly, when you say you're good a writer. Do you I, mean long? I mean, I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. It's going to be so much better than the last one. Oh, I'm going to have to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> I don't. No, no, I'm not. So, your career is um, mainly an author. Yeah, so far, mainly an author. I've been writing the Jimmy Coates books. So that's been a series of action thrillers that are out, hopefully exciting, gripping books. And I've got a new book out, a short book called Lifters. I'm working on a few new books for next year, some of them short as well, like Lifters. And, uh, and I've just moved into doing screenwriting, so I'm writing a movie, doing a couple of those. And all the while I've been continuing my first 
Well, I was going to say first love, that makes it sound like I like it more than writing, but the thing that I got into first, which was music, so I've been carrying on with that as well. Mm. So, oh, we'll pick these apart. Yeah, pick those apart. So, um, go on, have all that. Yeah. Do all that here. Go <laughs> okay. on, throw okay. some of that back. <laughs> yes. The thing you are most known for, some would, well, most would argue. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you like to sort of give us an overview of what that is and what's going on with it? Because there's yeah. some controversy around it. Well, most people have referred to it as the born identity for kids. It's been, like, been described as that in a couple of reviews, which I think is a nice way of summing it up. It's very flattering as well, because I'm a big fan of the born identity, the books and the movies. It's a series of action thrillers, broadly speaking spy action thrillers, but they're not quite the same formula as a James Bond structure or an Alex Ryder structure, although they're very much in the same genre, because rather than going on missions for a Secret Service organisation, Jimmy is on the run from a Secret Service organisation. Mm. You right? You mm -hmm. look like you've um, had issues with your croissant. No, I'm trying desperately not to knock the table because it upsets the recording. Oh, I see. Okay, fair enough. I'm a bit of a sound fanatic. <laughs> he says, eating proper. <laughs> yeah, I've been summing my face with cake while talking, mm. so my voice is probably yours. I was hoping you'd carry on until I could finish. but I might, No, I was happy to carry on. Mm. So Jimmy Coates is on the run from the British Secret Service, and it's a version of Britain, which is a dictatorship. So it's got a sort of Beef slightly alternate... Sorry? V for Vendetta. Yeah, it's got a V for Vendetta flavour to it. It's got a kind of 1984 influence. Um, I mean, that's that's probably giving it more than it's worth, giving it more than it's due, saying, oh, it's like 1984. Yes, the books <laughs> that I write are like 1984. Oh, well. Pff. And the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I write the new Bible. Jimmy Coates inspired Bible. <laughs> so, and he's half... Well, no, yeah, well, don't get too away. People that haven't, haven't read him. Right, it's on the front cover. Yeah, I wish they wouldn't put it on the front cover. <laughs> it's annoying. It was also it's misleading because people say, oh, well, he's half robot, but he's not. Mm. It's all organic and he's genetically engineered so that he has special abilities because the this branch of the Secret Service designed him originally. And when I say designed, I mean genetically. And they engineered him in a test tube to grow into the perfect assassin. And that's not a future that he wants. So when he discovers this, he rebels against it and goes another way and tries to forge his own way in life while all the time inside him, these assassin instincts are growing and sending him towards that path. That, mm. uh, I don't want to say destiny, because it's not like a fantasy destiny thing, yeah. chosen one <laughs> thing, but it's a sort of the modern equivalent, really. It's a genetic destiny. Do we all have that? Do we all have certain things that are lined up for us because of our genetics. Predeterminism. Yeah, is a certain aspects of our life determined? I think so. I'm, I, I don't know, I generally like to think that I make my own way in life, but it could be that that guides me. I don't know, it's interesting. It is interesting. So those are the questions yeah. that I was thinking about when I was writing the series, all the while putting it through a the sort of the structure of an action thriller with you know all the, the twists of a mystery. So those were some of the ideas that I was thinking about while I was writing, but putting it within the format of an action thriller with mystery, so there's plot twists, which are one of the favourite things that I have about stories, generally, movies and books. I love a good plot twist, something set up beautifully that pays off and makes you shiver with excitement or makes you go, oh my god, I should have seen that coming but I didn't and it makes sense, but uh, it's a surprise. I love that element of plotting as well as all the action and the chases, but I always think that you can have all of the 
chases and fights and explosions and action sequences that you can throw at it, but that would get dull pretty quickly, unless you also had some genuine inner battles for the character, so Jimmy fighting his own instincts and his own genetic predetermined destiny, if you like, um, and also some real some character dilemmas that you can really identify with, so you're feeling for the character, otherwise it's just a bunch of explosions. Mm. Dilemmas, um, I wish I was smooth, this is going to... Dilemmas <laughs> are also quite prevalent in real life outside of Jimmy Coates, but still surrounding it. Because um, the last two of your books have not come out yet, have they? Oh, right, yeah. Mm. Yeah, book seven and book eight of the Jimmy Coates series I took back from the publisher for various reasons. Whole long saga of touring and throwing with um, with the publisher, which means that anyone who's read the first six and is desperate to read the seventh one, Jimmy Coates Blackout, I've written it and it's on my desk downstairs, and the first two chapters are on my website, so you can read them for free if you want to, just to see how things get get going. But that might be a bit frustrating if you then can't read the rest of it for a while. It will come out eventually. I just need to sort out what's going on with the publisher and make sure that they're doing their job right and. Uh, Hopefully get the whole series off relaunched with off someone else. Gonna take them all off and Yeah, I hope so. I still think you should do it yourself. Well lots of people are self publishing, but I don't know, I'm I still feel like that's a big risk. And Do you have it's faith a, in your work? Well I have faith in my work, but I don't think it's anywhere near as easy to get a wide readership, even if you already have a fan base. Mm for something you've self-published because you you can't plug into the mechanism of a big publisher and the distribution of a, of a publisher which is already set up and will get the books into bookshops well we didn't it's very easy yeah. to self-publish an, an e-book but I've got to think about whether people that are reading my books are reading oh, e-books yeah how many nine ten-year-olds well, have e-readers iPads nowadays I'm yeah and even the new cheap Kindle at £89. I think it will happen that all 8-year-olds, 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds read stuff on e-readers and on Kindles, but it hasn't happened yet. So it's not the thing for me to do now. It might be in a few years' time. But for now, it's important to me to get an actual physical book out there as well as an e-book mm. so that kids can read it in all formats. And to do that, I think the best way of doing that is through a proper publisher. mainstream publisher. Having said that, I'm not ruling it out. I'll think about it and see what happens. I may well decide to self-publish. It'll be an adventure. Mm. And that's what life is. If I self-publish, I'll probably try it slightly differently. I'll try going down the route of actually publishing other people as well. I would want to start a publishing company and try doing it properly. Give it to me. <laughs> Just give it to you. I'll run it for you. Really? You'll run my publishing company? I'll run your publishing company. Awesome. We're in. I wanted one. I've always wanted one. Really? Yes. Cool. Fantastic. Well, so, yeah. cool. The inside of business deal in yeah. action there. <laughs> that worked out well. Yeah. Um, lifters. Mmm. Glint in your eye there shows that you're quite enthusiastic. Yeah, I like lifters. Good. Lifters. You wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite pleased with the way it came out. It's very short. That's the first thing I say to people in case that, in case I do all this spiel about how good it is and then they read it and they're really disappointed because it's so short. So don't be disappointed if it's short. It's meant to be short. But it's also meant to be punchy and exciting and a good thriller, despite its length. That's because of its length as well, that it packs in as many twists and 
action moments and suspenseful moments as you would get in a full-length novel, but into uh, a bare 3,000 words. So it's sparsely written, it's quite taut. I worked quite hard to make it that way. To give you an idea of what it's about, should I tell you a bit about yeah, it? Okay. It's, again, an action thriller. This one is much more realistic than Jimmy Coates. It doesn't involve genetic engineering or super spies or anything like that. It's about two pickpockets, so much more down-to-earth, much more urban, I suppose. And it's about two pickpockets, two teenage pickpockets. They work together, brother and sister. And the sister picks out a target, in this case a businessman. And she picks out where she thinks the wallet is going to be, which is the way that pickpockets operate generally. One of them picks out where the wallet is, the other one goes in and actually lifts what they're after, hence lifters. And then the younger brother goes in, takes the wallet, and as he takes the wallet from the businessman's jacket, there's the crack of a sniper's rifle, and this businessman falls down in the middle of the square, dead in a pool of blood. And the teenage boy is left with what he thought was the wallet in his hand, and it's not a wallet, it's a package. And the body of the businessman is surrounded by police. They were following him. They look up and see that this boy has this packet and he's got to get away. He runs. He's got to work out what this packet is. Was there a reason that he was meant to take it or was it an accident? He's got to track down his sister again and get away from these people who are after him. He's got to work out who shot this dude and basically survive. So it's a fast-paced thriller with a lot going on. The two main characters are these two pickpockets and there's a policeman a sort of special agent who's after them. That's it, really, yeah. That's is, the story of Lifters. Is that touching on the predeterminism again? Because you said whether he was meant to get this package, you suggesting that perhaps... Yeah, I suggest that, doesn't it? I, I don't think I meant it quite in that way. When I said whether he was meant to get it, I suppose what I went, meant was whether, whether it was intended that he steal a wallet or intended that he steal some other package, whether anybody actually was manipulating him into stealing oh. certain things. So, it's, yeah, that's an interesting point. It's a, a different sort of manipulation. With Jimmy Coates, it's a genetic manipulation from inside. Mm. And with Lifters, it's... It's an external. It's an external one. But also, you get the issues of him deciding what he wants to do with his life. He get, has those dilemmas inside. In three thousand own... words. Yeah. Well yeah. written, then, isn't it? It's got, it's got to be quite well written <laughs> to get that much in, in three thousand words. There's a lot. It packs in a lot. I always think about the three different levels of conflict in any story. And I try to get all three of them into anything that I'm writing. And that was the biggest challenge for a 3,000-word story, to fully develop all three levels of conflict. So you have the outside world as the most basic level, some threat from the outside. So in this case, the police are after him because he's just nicked some package off a dead guy. Then there's the relationships level of conflict, him and his sister. And then the internal one, his own internal dilemma and doubts about his own future and whether he should be doing what he's doing, whether he should be nicking things out of people's pockets, or whether there's something better out there for him. <clears throat> so all your stories are quite moral based to a degree, aren't they, as well? It's about internal... Um, are they moral based? Conflict? That's a really interesting question. I don't set out to make them moral based at all. I don't set out to to preach a moral. I set out to entertain. Mm. But I think it's much more gripping and entertaining if there are these ex- some, something that slightly explores the grey areas of the, the doubt about people's futures and morality and the grey areas of that. So, for example, in the Jimmy Coates books, it was important to me that the villains weren't just cartoon-style villains out to 
rule the world because they're megalomaniacs. Mm. Villains are stronger to me if they are believable and sane and in their own minds doing the right thing. And that is what I tried to do all the way through the Jimmy Coates books. But whoever he was up against is not just some cackling loon who wants mm. to kill people because he's a psychopath. He's it's someone yeah. with a clear, rational ideology that he has a chance to explain and he acts according to rational beliefs even if you don't agree with them. So the distance between good guys and bad guys is much less and that at times you might sympathise with the villains more because you can see why they're trying to do something and that makes them more textured and more interesting as villains and mm-hmm. any action thriller story is only as interesting as the bad guy's plan. That's it. So you could almost say that, that especially in the Jimmy Coates series it's like a battle of pragmatism versus dogmatism. Ooh, wow. And they that... should have put that on the cover. <laughs> and is that mm. kind of like maybe even a reflection of your own political ideologies? or People have inferred different political ideologies from my books, completely different, poles apart. So, especially when the first book first came out, I had people saying, oh, Joe, you must be a huge fan of Tony Blair. And then the next day someone will say, oh, Joe, you must really hate Tony Blair. And that's happened all the way through mm. the series. And I think it's, it's misleading to assume that you have any insight into the author's political beliefs from what they've written. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Sometimes the author is clearly trying to put political beliefs in, and sometimes they're not. I'm just trying to tell a good story. I have my own political ideological beliefs, which actually are much closer to the beliefs of the bad guys. But I think that makes them easier to write, easier to write in a believable way. That's and right. beefs up the story, I think. Mm. So, yeah, if you could have a dictatorship with me in charge... You'd be uh, happy. That'd be great, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the way every country should be run. megalomaniac at all. Oh, yeah. You are? All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's the way things ought to be done. Okay, right. So do you, do you have any, like, real life other than the morality-based things and basing your villains on things people can relate to, do you have any any body perhaps in your life or any objects which you use as inspiration or have included in your book? I don't base characters on real people that I know. That's the bottom line. Within that, there's degrees because there are some personality traits or some little quirks that I might borrow from real people that I've seen, conversational tics, just to make a character a bit more rounded, a bit more believable, more human. Sometimes relationships between two characters, I can draw on relationships between two people that I know in real life. A lot of the stuff between Jimmy and Felix, the banter, especially early on in the series, Felix is quite a funny character, Jimmy's best mate, mm-hmm. and a lot of the, the silliness and the messing about and the banter between those two, I tried to bring out some of what I used to get up to with my best mate as a kid, my, my mate Ollie. And there's a lot of that in there, but it's more in the tone of the relationship. It's not that one character is me, one character is Ollie. Mm. It's just the things that kids of that age get up to and that I used to enjoy doing and chatting about and the silliness and the spirit of that. Similarly with Jimmy and his sister. I didn't... I have two sisters. Mm. I didn't base the sister on either of my sisters. And the relationship that Jimmy has with his sisters is very different to the relationship that I have with mine. But there are other brother-sister relationships that I know about and that I've seen or just observed 
And I took some of those things to build the relationship Jimmy yeah. has with Georgie and make that a more believable brother-sister mm. relationship. So, um, do you have any brothers? No brothers. No brothers, the only boy. Two sisters. And the only boy. I'm in the middle of two girls. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to skim over that one. Um, and that's thrown me. <laughs> I had next question lined up as well. Um, you asked me about whether I had a brother. I can invent a brother for you. We, Okay, how would you base your brother? <laughs> how would I invent a brother? How would you invent a brother? What? How would you like it to be? I would like my brother to be very small. Small and... Pocket size? Yeah, really small. Not po- just too big to go in your pocket, but like there, sort of... What is that like? Like 40 centimetres tall, with long blonde hair and okay. a really deep voice. And he's always telling like jokes. Like Brian Blessed, sort of... Yeah! <laughs> coming out of his 40 like Brian Blessed. centimetre... Mixed with, uh, mixed with like a Justin Bieber. <laughs> in what, the style of voice? In the body of a 40 centimetre leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah. And he'd be able to do all kinds of amazing stuff. And we'd just banter. <laughs> <laughs> you could just sort of swat him away if he's getting on your nerves. Yeah, like. <laughs> I'd swat him away if he has on my nerves. But then he'd jump back and he'd get up onto the kitchen counter and make me some lunch. How's he doing that? Is he climbing up the cabinets? We'd have to fit the kitchen with ladders, yeah. okay. <laughs> uh, you sound like Willy Wonka. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of thing my brother might say to me. Yeah. Yeah, very good, yeah. Megalomania, oh, yeah. Again, perhaps. Yeah, sort of like Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. He's Irish as well now, is he? <laughs> I know, he's Irish. Alright, he's going to be so... Yeah. <laughs> Joe, you sound like Willy Wonka. Yeah, can he do that to your brother? Yeah, can he make me... Climb up onto the kitchen and make a sandwich. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You don't know a brother. Just go back to your sisters. Mm. Yeah, he'd, he'd probably leave you quite soon. Why would I have a Scottish brother? Well, I was going to say, what tale has gone in there? What has happened? Were we separated at birth? Was he raised in Perhaps. Well, okay, Scotland? so you've got... You, oh, you've lived in London all your life with yeah. your Brian Blessed slash um, Justin Bieber sounding... Leprechaun. Leprechaun, which yeah. is Irish, who lived in Scotland. Yeah, he's Scot- Scottish now, because I can't do an Irish accent. Oh, okay. We can't do an Irish accent. No, you it's can't. a disaster. <laughs> no, we can't do that at all. Can you do any other accents? I, I often try to do a Scottish accent, but it doesn't come out too well. <laughs> <laughs> about Welsh? Ah, now Welsh. No. No, I can't do a Welsh accent at all. When I do, it you ends sound up sounding like... a little bit Indian sometimes. It, yes. I'd, in a slightly offensive way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah. That was and my your popularity watch. ratings are plummeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> are your books? Speak, are your books actually in other countries? Like Wales. Like <laughs> Wales. Yeah. Like Wales or India or Scotland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, For how much longer? My, <laughs> I'm going to be banned from Wales. God, that'd be a career achievement, wouldn't it? Being banned from Wales. Being banned from anywhere. That's particularly Wales, maybe. Then we could smuggle books in over the border. Like Harry Potter in America. Yes. Mm. I thought you were going to say Harry Potter was banned in Wales. That was the thing that I didn't know about. No, 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 no. He's, he's prevalent. There. I wish I could do a Welsh accent. Because it's such a beautiful accent. It's like someone singing to you. I like German. You like German? Mm. I like a very posh German accent. That's always entertained me. <laughs> Germany, where they sound almost English, but with a sort of German... The soft, term. Dub, the soft Ws. Ah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like the sound of accents. My books are available in other countries, about a dozen. Not, not loads and loads and loads, but uh, various countries around the world. There's some 
big book reading countries where they haven't got my books yet. Like, like Germany, for example. Germany. Like you can't get my books in Germany or Japan. Or a few other places. But a lot of other places you, you can go. Japan would be the kind of place where you'd want to publish it in E format, wouldn't you? I don't know. I don't know enough about reading habits over there. Maybe. It would be. Yeah. So you could easily do that. Get it translated into Japanese. And then just publish, yeah. Do an e-Japanese version. Mm. That'd be cool. You could do that. Can you do that for me now that you're running no, a publishing Japanese. company? Uh, well, we need to talk about pay first, really. <laughs> <laughs> Good line. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a man who does things cheap. <laughs> for the most part. I wouldn't work with a man who does things cheap. Good. I want only the best. Well, then you've got him. Um, I'm still trying to remember the question I had lined up. Don't you? time, just move and on. You're totally Looking frozen. forwards. The past Looking is gone. Forward. The past is gone. Okay, music. 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 You said that you started off as a musician. Yeah, I did. That's what I'd always wanted to do while I was growing up. I never thought about writing books. I only ever thought about being a songwriter and composing. And that's what I did all the way through university. Even though I wasn't studying music, I spent most of my time writing music for people. And then I was really lucky that after university, I went into the music business as a songwriter. Uh, some friends of mine who'd graduated ahead of me were in the business of doing musical theatre, so I started working with them and, and writing musicals. Then I got into writing music for film and TV, did a bit of that, started writing pop songs, which was really what it, where I wanted to go. By the time I started doing the pop songs, I was also, by that time, writing my first book, and that developed much more quickly and got going much more quickly. So. The, the writing of pop songs had to kind of go on the back burner for a while. Mm. Until quite recently, when I got them all out again and decided to perform them myself, just as little recordings, just so I had recordings of them. And just I've always liked hearing songwriters perform their own songs. Even if they're not the best performers, there's something about it, there's something the way mm. they communicate. You can their tell own how it was meant to be. Yeah. So I did that, and I made a little album. And it's on Amazon. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's on Amazon, it's on my website, it's on iTunes. Check it out. Go and buy it. That's what he wants to say. Yeah, I want <laughs> to say, here's some songs. It's quite mellow. It's just me at a piano singing ten songs that I like of mine. Mm. It's that simple. It's quite a chilled... There's one Christmas song on there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really... It's a snow song. Okay, it's a right. seasonal song. Oh, right, okay, yeah, that's... Song. It's a song about snow. Mm. There's also a song about a monkey. So, you know, something for everybody. George, is that taken off John Jackson, Jack Johnson even? It's not taken off Jack Johnson. Did Jack Johnson do a song about a monkey? I'm assuming you mean the songwriter, not the boxer. I do. I don't know what the boxer does with his time. He's probably dead. I reckon he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. He's... <laughs> Almost definitely not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he just decomposes away. Yeah. Just <laughs> God, what a dullard, man. <laughs> just lies there, decomposing. He's got nothing better. He can't even write a song. No, waste. I reckon even if you gave him a guitar. He, yeah, he could do nothing with he'd it. Just do, he'd just lie there, big decomposing lump. Boring. Boring. If I could see him now, I'd say, you boring, boring lump of rotting flesh. So you'd hope he's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. He's just going to smack the shit out of you. And yeah, if he came back as a zombie, Jack mm. Johnson, mm. he'd track down all the people who told him that he was boring in death. And he would say, how's this for boring? Yeah. And, and just... his fist would land in your face. What, because he's... he's Detached from his arm or something. Yeah, yeah, he's swinging it about. Yeah, yeah. Um, music, 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 music. Mm. Were you play piano? As I play you piano. just mentioned, do you yeah, play other instruments? Yeah, I started when I was seven on the trumpet. I was okay. never very good at it. it was oh, all right. right, yeah. I played the trumpet for a lot of years. I haven't played it for a while now. I've still got my trumpet. 
every now and again give it a little blast. So mainly I'm a piano player, a bit of guitar, those are the two main things. I can dabble on a few other mm. things, but not very well. Were you trained, not trained, taught as a child? Was that enforced? or? Uh, that my choice? sisters had piano lessons, and I had trumpet lessons, and mm. then I started messing about with the piano and got my sister to show me where D was, because I could read music from learning the trumpet, and she showed me where D was on the piano, and then I kind of worked out the rest from there, I extrapolated. Mm. And then my trumpet teacher was a wonderful musician, a great teacher, and he showed me a few things on the piano. He was a good arranger and composer as well, so he showed me broader musical things and how to use the piano and, and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I taught myself a lot of jazz stuff. I had to learn 15 minutes of classical music for my A-levels mm. because they wouldn't let me do a jazz recital. So I had to learn 15 minutes of classical music, which was really good for me. And I loved it. And I did Bach and Mozart. I did some Shostakovich, I think, or some Hindemith. No, I think I did Bach, Mozart. I didn't do Bach, I did Handel. Wow. But basically now, yeah. the only classical music I play is Bach, Handel, Mozart. The specific pieces, which mm. are the pieces that I studied or learned from my A-levels, I can't play any other classical music. Nothing. I could if I sat down and learned it. You learned it, yeah. But I, I tend to become obsessed with particular pieces of music and play them over and over and over again for a period of a few months and then put them to one side and come back to them in a couple of years mm. and go on to something else. Sorry. It's a funny, obsessive-compulsive way of playing an instrument. Must annoy the it's hell out of the neighbours. Did you use music to woo your lady wife, or...? <laughs> did I use music to woo my lady wife? Or did you write her a poet? Oh, that's a face which says something went bad. I don't, I don't know how well it would go. If I, uh, no, I'm not surprised what would happen if I tried to woo the lady wife with music. <laughs> she likes it, she likes my songs. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, there are a few songs that I wrote with her in mind. Mm. I don't think... I mean, there's a couple of them on, on the album, actually, that, that I wrote in the early days of going out with her. But most of the ones on the album are newer than that. And I'd already married her, so there wasn't much point worrying. <laughs> the worrying yeah. was done. You're done, you can stop now. Yeah, stop worrying. No effort. <laughs> Sorry, love, the worrying's finished. <laughs> so Go worry yourself for a while. Um... I'm writing songs. <laughs> so, did you get married quite quickly then? <laughs> Sorry, so did I get married quite quickly? As in, I'm imagining a rush ceremony. Yeah, quick, it's like, marry. I know uh, you. Come on, let's go. <laughs> um, we met in the first year at university, and then we were together for about eight years before we got married. Oh, so you didn't. You just, but in those eight but years, you could write her young. songs. Yeah, we we were quite young. When we met, we'd only just started at uni. And then we got married. Uh, I was 20... I was 28, 27, 28. She was 26, 27. Just still relatively young, really, to get mm. married. Uh, in these modern times. In these modern times. Nobody gets married. It's yeah. all just... Who gets married these days? Yeah. Oh, Commitment. In this 21st century. Effort as well. Yeah. And cost. This is still... This is... When you put this out on your website, it's still going to be the 21st century, right? Yeah, It's not going to definitely. immediately date the interview. No, oh, well, I'll be dead before 22nd into century, so... What a pessimist. Who knows? Probably will. The first person yeah. to live to a thousand is already alive. Think about that for a while. Seriously. Mm. Might be an old person, might be a newborn baby, but they're already out there, and that is the first person what, who will live person born tomorrow? to be a thousand. Be they're wrong. already there. They're already there. Already alive. Dead air, dead air. I've stumped you. You have. Um, there's like there's a noticeable absence of like small feet, little children. Uh, 
That was fear. Uh, are they going to be coming? There's got loads of toys around. You're about to let them in. Yeah. Like you're about to open the door. <laughs> yeah, guess and what I've bought? A dancing troop of children. You can come 40 centimetre children. <laughs> you can choose one. 40 centimetre Bieber children. Uh, with Irish accents and mm. Welsh accents and Scottish Just accents. Regional children. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't had any kids yet. We've got this big fluffy brown beast. Not that dogs are substitutes for children. Mm. They're entirely different. Don't but um, he's taking up most of my time at the moment. He's down there sleeping. Yeah. Is he substitute for child in the meantime? Is there... No. No. We'll have children eventually, we hope. But not yet. Uh, too busy getting stuff done. You've got to get stuff done before you have kids. Because mm. then when you have kids, you're just having kids. <laughs> Are you suggesting that kids hinder the rest of your life? Or? Uh, well, actually, it would be quite good. I have a, a lifestyle that would suit kids because I work from home, so I wouldn't have to have someone looking after them during the day. And I really like kids. It's just fun. I spend all my day playing with them, building stuff. So work wouldn't get done? Work would not get done. Work doesn't tend to get done anyway, let's be honest. <laughs> Sitting, <laughs> eating cheese and cake and... Yeah, it's mainly a cheese and cake existence. 30 kinds of tea. Yeah, at least 30. We could go in the kitchen office and count the different types of tea that I've got in there. We'll I reckon it's well. at least 30. It's probably about 35. I don't know if you've got like a little timer and a pot as well. Yeah. Is this all professional? Is this... <laughs> Have you well, studied the art of tea or are you one of those... If you're going to get a nice tea... Mm. Do it properly. Yeah. Do it properly. Otherwise, what's the point? Mm. You know? It was a nice cup of tea. You oh, did good. do well. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you get a thumbs up. Congratulations. Thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> carrying on the... Music thing. You said you wrote pop songs. Is there anything sort of out there? Oh uh, no, a few bits and pieces published of stuff, yours. but nothing. Uh, of th- there's a few old tales of music business stuff, but nothing that is actually out there recorded and by anybody reputable. Most of the people in the music business are not reputable. Yeah, I was going to say. So that's kind of narrowed yeah, it down yeah, yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. But in fact, the funny thing is that since I did this new collection of songs, I haven't been sending them out to people or doing it. I just recorded it and put the put the record out there. And since I did that, a couple of people have heard them and got the tunes to people who then have expressed interest in recording them, which has been fantastic, because mm-hmm. without putting the effort in, I've kind of ended up in the position which I wanted to be in when I was working as a songwriter first, when I, while I was desperately trying to get songs in front of people. But that was a different world of the music business, because when I was doing that, it was before MySpace existed, and I was still doing music in a time when I was recording demos at home, making some of them were cassette demos. I was recording onto cassette. That's the motorbike going past the window. Yeah. It's probably my leprechaun child. <laughs> or being dropped off. It's come to end me. Yeah, it's been yeah. <laughs> dropped off from leprechaun studies. <laughs> cassettes, cassettes. Yeah, so was rolling, yeah. I was. Um, it just—it was a different world of the music business. I was recording stuff on cassette. I mean, now, not even now, within a year, basically, of me doing that and stopping doing that, the whole of the way those things are done, being the whole world of being a songwriter, changed because suddenly you could have your own MySpace page and uh, do it that way, get songs in front of people like that, and do it yourself as well. Although not many people have actually really truly made it from MySpace. So. No, but even the way of getting a song to somebody else, you would never sit and record a cassette or something and then send it off in the post. It's just absurd. Mm. You would never do that now. But it seems like it wasn't that long ago that I was doing that. How the world has changed. How the world has changed. A moment to reflect mm. if, on the way the world changes. If. Reflect. Devil, I've got reflect. Reflect. Are you reflecting? reflecting? I'm multitasking. I don't, I don't feel like you're reflecting. <sighs> reflect. How's the world? 
What How's the world? Mm. Yeah, there we are. Reflected. We are reflected. Thank yeah. you. Um, seriously, you can't stop me because it will go instantly. <laughs> if, if you had the opportunity now to go back to the music industry, but you had to stop all of your writing, yeah, of books, would you? Um, it depends. Probably, I don't know. Depends what it would be going back to in the music industry. Well, let's say, for example, that the songs you recorded and just went out there are now allowed to be, are going to be recorded professionally. Mm -hmm. Would you just go back to songwriting? Or would you start to dabble in the actual performing of songs? Well, when you say recorded professionally, you mean taken on by... Other artists? Yeah, let's put some terms on this. If they're taken on by some other major artist, if there were some... Let me think who it would be. Which artists would tempt me away from writing books to just write songs for them? There aren't many modern artists. Beyonce, maybe. <laughs> if Beyonce turned up with a leprechaun child and said, Joe, stop, I'm going to do an impression of Beyonce. Joe, don't write any more books. Just come and write songs for me. That's my Beyonce voice. I don't think that's what she actually sounds like. She'd say, Joe, don't write any more books. <laughs> she's, like the yeah, she's secretly Irish. Now. Right. <laughs> my client, Beyonce, wants you to write songs for her, but you can't write any more books. I would, I would do that. You'd do that? Yeah, yeah, at least for a while. Beyonce. I can always ditch that and go back to writing books later. And, yeah, write movies and stuff. We'll come on to movies. But I'm quite pleased yeah. with the way they've been recorded. One of the reasons that I wanted to do the album was so that I had beautifully recorded... I was very lucky to get a producer to come here and record it all so well and get a lovely sound out of the piano and get the best out of me as well. So they're, they're very well recorded. That isn't a comment on my performance or the writing, just the way that he produced it and, and recorded it and engineered it was really good. So I'm very pleased with the way that it came out sounding. Mm. So you didn't do it self? I thought you'd done the recordings yourself. No, I didn't put a microphone up to my... No, some people can do that, but I'm not very good at that. I'm good at songwriting and performing, but I'm much better at that than I am at recording myself and engineering and producing. So if I was going to do it at all, I knew that I had to get somebody else in to come and help me do that. And I got this amazing guy called Adak, which is a name that I then borrowed for Lifters as my little tribute to him, because he was so good. And he came round here in this very room, and he spent some time turning this into a recording studio, basically. He got a little desk, mic'd up the piano, mic'd up me, sort of, and it was a lovely environment to record in, because... Mm. It's your house. It's my house, it's my piano. There's something special about playing mm. your own piano. Your own instruments. And it made it much more intimate, and it meant that I could play things just as I wanted to, and have all the things around me that I, that I wanted, and have a nice cup of tea and stuff like that. I didn't have to worry about some engineer that I didn't know in someone else's place or space. So it was a good time. So would you force Beyonce to come to your house to do any song practices? <laughs> or something like that? Would... <laughs> Out of context, that's an odd question. Joe, would you force Beyonce? <laughs> yeah. Would you kidnap Beyonce? And bring her here. And bring her here to... Yeah, maybe we do some rehearsals here. Would you be one of those, like, really, really annoying um, people in the music industry who have to have things done how they want or won't work? I think I should be more like that. Come here, Harper. Come on. What are you doing? He's not interested in I think I should be more a perfectionist when it comes to music. With my writing, I'm very particular about the way every sentence is phrased and the way every word is used. 
and in the writing of my songs I'm the same way, but I've never been able to carry that through into the recording of the songs. <laughs> Sorry, there's dogs upstage again. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm very particular about the way that I write both books and songs and every word and every note, but then I've never had the skill or patience to be able to carry that through into the recording of songs, which is why it was great to get this other guy mm. to come and do it for me. Do you use a Mac or a PC? I use a PC. Mm. <laughs> but you have an iPhone? I have an iPhone, yeah. Could you ever be swayed to Mac? Yeah, probably. Let's just let him through here. Yeah. Zell trusting at me. Oh, he's got his oh, squeaky, he's got, he's got his squeaky toy, toy now. Oh, more this is going to be fun on the recording. More editing now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, what was I saying? You said there aren't many sort of like modern artists he'd work with, but you can't. Is there anybody else? Well, there's not many modern artists that I would retire from novel writing and screenwriting. To oh form. right. Okay. That, that you... was the question that you asked. Yeah. Which is who else? <laughs> Sorry. Carry I, on. I still can't get over something. Toenails painted on that foot, which is the toy foot, by the way. <laughs> it's not like his. Papa, <laughs> fetch it. Come on. Doesn't do that. <laughs> Some retriever you are. So, mm. um, who would, who else would you retire? Or is, are you... I don't think I'd retire for anyone else. Just Beyonce. Maybe some country artists I'd retire for, actually, because they're awesome, some of them. Some modern country artists. Oh, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone obvious that I, that I love. But I, modern artists, I know. Okay, that's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> mm. I just got a good chin licking. Considering he was eating somebody else's shopping this morning as well. Yeah, it wasn't even shopping, they were rotting fish yeah. heads. He found some rotting fish heads in the park, and then he found some barbecue sauce, and then he found some bread. So he had a full meal of barbecue fish heads and bread. And you're letting him lick And my face. chin. Yeah. yeah. That's really pleasant. That's it's grim. Nice. But it's love, you know. It's love. And love is not always pleasant. Sometimes, sometimes, love tastes like barbecue sauce. Mm. Actually, I quite like barbecue sauce. <laughs> well, that's good, because yeah, that's, that's what love what it is. tastes like sometimes. That's what love is. Love is barbecue sauce all over your face and rotting fish heads. <laughs> well, you... I don't dogmatist know, or I don't dogmatist? Know how you Hoppo, got... you're a dogmatist. Come here, dog. Come here. The audio. Oh, yeah, that's better. And just leave it like that. That's better. Good boy. Stay with me. Who are your musical influences, then? My biggest musical influences, um, Billy Joel, Randy Newman, Sting, James Taylor, Paul Simon, um, Oscar Peterson, I suppose, Ray Charles, all the Motown stuff, uh, Holland Dozier, Holland stuff, Lamont Dozier, um, Stevie Wonder, I suppose, to a certain extent, influences almost everybody. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry the camera didn't yeah. do your Stevie Wonder impression there yeah, that it was good never come to light <laughs> uh, people like that I've probably missed out I've missed out hundreds of people there's all kinds of but you draw upon those yeah I draw upon those those are the, the biggest most obvious ones maybe people who listen to my stuff will, will hear other obvious influences that I've forgotten about but those are the ones that come to mind most readily uh, some more modern guys as well but then more Obscure than the, the famous older legends. Mm. Um, movies. 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 Yeah. Go. Tell us. Uh, movies are a big thing for me. I'm very influenced by film, films that I've loved, and films I haven't loved as well. I'm influenced by those and how I would do them better. I've watched 
loads of films from when I was really little, and now I'm writing one for a producer, which is really exciting. Nice. It's an amazing thing to me that someone would actually want an idea, want to take an idea that I've had for a film and say, yeah, go and write that as a script and then we'll make it into a film. Mm. I think it's amazing. I assume you can't talk about it. Well, I can't say too much about it because it's such an early stage of its existence and also it's quite possible that it may never become a film and that's fine because lots and lots, most screenplays that are commissioned never get turned into films for whatever reason. Mm. So for something to actually get made would be amazing. But for me, it's just fantastic to be now writing a screenplay professionally for a producer. It's just a wonderful thing. And I came up with the idea. It's of the same genre as Jimmy Coates, broadly speaking. It's more of a superhero angle and a slightly older target audience, sort of teen, family blockbuster-style action-adventure film. Mm. That's the sort of thing I'm working on at the moment. And it's a new angle on a comic book superhero, basically. Not a particular one, but a comic oh, book right, style. Okay. A comic book style superhero. So you got me really excited for a second. Yeah, it's a new angle on what that means, what it takes to be a superhero or oh, become well, a superhero. Have you sort of adopted ideas developed by um, Kick-Ass and... I haven't ever seen Kick-Ass. That's... Or the other one. Oh, so I've got to check that out. But, um... What was the other one? I know the one you mean, but I can't remember what it's called. Is it Scott Pilgrim Saves the World? Scott Pilgrim? Oh, uh, no, that's not the one I was thinking of. But anyway, there are mm. modern films which are sort of vigilantes taking on superhero identities in the real world without superpowers. This is a different angle on that mm. as well. It's not, it's not modern vigilantes and it's not losers becoming superheroes because they want to or dressing up in fancy costumes. It's more of a technological look at it and I suppose more of a philosophical look at what it would take for someone to want to be a superhero as well So do you read comic books? Are you a comic book fan? Are you interested in superheroes <sighs> in that respect? I want like to Batman. I want to like comic books but I, I've never confessed this before do you want a confession? Go. I have real trouble with, with comic books Do you struggle to follow them? I struggle to follow them I struggle to understand I struggle to follow them. When I do follow them, I struggle to be gripped by them because the pace of the story is not what I'm used to. That You seem to have to turn the pages a lot to get through any story. Mm. Another way of putting that would be that story per page is quite low. But it's also quite a lot about the imagery. Yeah, it's quite a lot about the imagery, but I don't like... I, my eye is not well trained to linger on the image rather than read the text. Mm. So I will just read the text and turn the page very quickly and get through the story and consume And that, that's the way I like to consume a story. I like a, a novel that grips me and makes me want to keep turning the pages. I don't like to linger over long passages of description, for example. Which, oddly, I find is, is the pace of a graphic novel or a comic book. That it forces you to slow down and linger over the image in front of you, rather than turn the page and get through the story more quickly, which is what I like. Mm. So I enjoy, I like to be gripped by a good story rather than mesmerised by an alluring image. Mm. Do I, I actually don't have an Xbox as well. Yeah, I don't have an Xbox. I don't understand computer games. But you also, you're like the forefront of technological yeah, uh, I, adoptions as it's, it on Wikipedia. It's a mental, uh, it's a mental, um, I was going to say degradation. It's not a degradation. It's Much just a... Though. A shortcoming. Mm. It's a shortcoming. I, I will sit in front of... I've never had a console 
or any kind of games thing. I've never really enjoyed playing computer games even on a PC. And when I sit down and play them on the rare occasions that I do, at a friend's house, I haven't done that for yeah, I have done that, that once in the last ten years. Was it a Wii? Oh, a Wii, yeah. Yeah. I act, it's not that I'm just not very good at it, which is obvious because I haven't practiced and these mm. things you need to get used to. But it's that I look at the screen and can't work out who you are, what's going on, yeah. who I am, what I'm meant to do. And to someone who plays computer games, that's obvious. And that's someone, quite, no, someone quite who important. understands, yeah, someone who understands the rubric, the, the the grammar of a computer game or computer games generally will look at a new computer game that they've never seen before and much more quickly understand what's going on, what, what they're meant to do and what's happening. And I can't do that because it's like a completely foreign language to me. I have no idea what's happening. Uh, it's very difficult to get across the experience to someone that understands computer games. It's not that I'm looking at it and I just don't quite get it. I can look at the screen. I literally have no idea what's happening on the screen in front of me. I find it completely baffling. It's like someone's talking to me in Japanese and I can't work out where one word ends and another one begins. It's a completely foreign world to me. And I'm, wow. But also, I, I, I don't really... In, I've, as a kid, I never really enjoyed playing computer games. And yet I love games. I love games of all kinds. I love board games, I love card games. I love turning anything in everyday life into a silly game. Mm. I just have never really got on with... The computer. With computer games and with... Uh, chasing after stuff or shooting stuff on a screen mm. even puzzles or problem solving games on a computer I think it's because of the interface thing that I struggle to understand what's in front of me it's quite interesting <laughs> yeah it's odd, it's I've, odd I've, don't, well. I've never really known anybody else who has that yeah issue with it I think it's partly an age thing now, you can't be that old really. well not, not that I'm that <laughs> no, old but it was much less it, it wasn't assumed that every kid would have an Xbox when I was a kid Mm. Or the equivalent. Yeah. Only, I don't know, one in five or whatever, a much lower proportion would have had a console. So that wasn't what you automatically did when you went around to someone's house. And it's also, um, what is it also? The dog distracted me. Yeah, it's an age thing, but it's also a sort of, yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say. There was a second thing. There was, there was definitely a second thing. It's com- yeah, there was a second thing. Yeah. Would Jimmy Coates be a film ever? I'd love Jimmy Coates to be a film. There's been a lot of interest from producers and of film and TV. For a couple of years it was in development as a TV series in the States. Mm. Which I think would have been great. Mm. I don't know. I think a film would probably be It's funny, that was, that, that was the reaction of most of the fans that I spoke to actually during that time. I was really excited. Oh, it might be a TV series. <laughs> I'm sure it would be good, regardless and, of what they did. Yeah, I really like, oh, I'd much rather justice. a film. Although eight films... Well, you want it to be eight films? <laughs> no, I think that'd be quite excessive. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't happen. I mean, what they were what they were developing in the states was a series that would start off with a feature length pilot, and then spin off into a, an ongoing series, which I think would have been might have been the perfect way of adapting so, that story. Yeah. Actually, would have been really good. But as with a lot of things, didn't go into production. Most of the properties that get into development don't then go on to be produced but it just means that I get the rights back and can then go out to other film producers so at some point at some point I'm hoping that it'll happen Uh, I think a lot of it is tied up with the fate of Jimmy Coates Blackout so when Jimmy Coates Blackout comes out there'll be another round of interest from producers I mean it's with producers at the moment so who knows what's going to happen what the book? yeah no oh 
well, not Blackout, mm. the series as a yeah. whole, is getting interest from producers all the time. There's a sort of constant murmuring of people reading it and people interested in it, but no actual deal done. Partly because for two years it was off the table, because this TV series was happening. And, yeah, so that would be good. I think but I think the fate of a TV or film project is tied up somehow in the fate of Book 7. I think the one would help the other. Mm. I think if Jimmy Gets Blackout came out, that would boost the chances of it being a film. Similarly, if a TV or film came out, then it would be very easy for me to waltz down any street and get Jimmy Gets Blackout yeah. wherever I wanted it. So... Let's hypothesise the film has been commissioned. Right. You are allowed to cast. Cool. Who are you choosing? Who would I cast? Realistically. Okay, this... <laughs> to tether you. Uh, for a long time, when people asked me that, that, I didn't have an answer for who I would cast as Jimmy Coates because he's a kid, so I would want to cast some kid that looked right and could act it and could do the action sequences and the comedy. It's very difficult and would have to look roughly right. But actually now, there's, t- there's two people that I think would be really good for it. One of whom is not an actor, so I'd have to see whether he could act first. Mm. But I think he could learn. And that, Do you know a guy called Grayson Chance? No. Check out Grayson Chance. He's American. He's a musician. And he's just got a really... the, the right look, a sort of vulnerability and yet maturity in, in one face. Mm. A face of many halves. A face of many halves. And he's a great musician as well. And the way he performs songs is very good. So I think he'd be an interesting choice. Another one, obviously, is... Um, I forgot his name now. Not Will Smith. Wood again, was it? Oh. No, Will Smith's son. Oh. He's... Okay. I think he'd be an awesome Jimmy Goats. I think that'd be, that'd be brilliant. But he doesn't look anything like the description in the book. Doesn't matter. There doesn't isn't matter a, now. There isn't a description in the book. Isn't there? No. That's the main thing. sure? Yep. Oh, God. The thing about, okay thing about Jimmy in the book is that Jimmy is the only character in the books who is not described physically. The only description you get is that his mum ruffles his hair a little bit. And I think at one point, Dr Higgins says that his hair is longer than it's meant to be. But that doesn't really mean anything. That doesn't really mean, his, doesn't mean he has long hair. It's just that uh, Dr Higgins thought his hair would be cropped very, very short like Mitchell's because that what that's the way... He's supposed to keep his hair, and that's the inclination that's supposed to be in his genetic makeup. That he has—he's supposed to keep his hair very short, and he doesn't. Oh God! I swear to God, there's a description. I have this whole image in my head. I know. Well, I hope that—that's the idea. <laughs> hopefully, each reader has their you, own image have... of exactly what Jimmy looks like. That is incredible. And hopefully, it's a lot t- a lot tied up with what they look like themselves, so that you can put yourself in the part of Jimmy Coates. He doesn't look that much like me, actually. He's right, straight. Yeah. He's straight and coarse, and he's white, sort of five foot six, five foot seven. Because at the time he was quite young, so five yeah, six, yeah. five seven. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like a real life example of somebody who looks like him. Well, I have a clear mental image of what he looks like. And it's Will Smith's son. And it's not Will Smith's son. No, it's a young Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. But that's obviously a born identity influence. Mm. Uh, and I think actually that might influence a lot of people. I know somebody who looks a lot like Matt Damon. Really? Do you want to get him in the movie? Yes. I've got strong ideas about the castings of most of the other parts. Most of the other parts, there are much clearer physical descriptions of the characters, with a couple of exceptions. So I have actors or actresses in mind for people like the Miss Bennett character, Aris Hollingdale, the Prime Minister in the books, people like that. And I'm always seeing different actors and going, oh, well, that person would be good for this part or that part. 
Not so, is there going to be any big? Are you thinking of big names? Are oh you yeah, thinking always. All oh, right, okay. Any big names? Any big names? And yet also attain all names. People that I think would like to do it. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman can play every part. I think if we can work it out so that Morgan Freeman, between them, Morgan Freeman and Philip Seymour Hoffman play every part, that would be good. Oh, well, I'll see you going for an Eddie Murphy style movie here. Yeah, but they would play. They would play Jimmy, Miss Bennett. Felix, Georgie, Jimmy's parents. Fight scenes would be good. Fight scenes would be awesome. You'd have to have various effects. But no, I think Philip really. Seymour Hoffman can... And actually, at various times throughout the movie, they should switch as well. <laughs> so when Philip Seymour Hoffman appears, you don't know... We, who he's going to be. You don't know who he's going to be, but then he just acts. That's a and Mitchell make Webb it. sketch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mitchell and Webb could, could turn up in, in a cameo if they wanted. We might allow that. I'd love to meet them. I think it'd be so cool to meet them. But yeah, do you have any like celebrity celebrity friends? I've got various friends who are writers and musicians mm. and actors uh, who do all sorts of things. Uh, most of which are very exciting. I'm very proud to know them. Um, nobody that's yet gonna be paparazzi to crop up in Heat magazine, uh, but a few people who work with very famous people or who write for very famous people. Uh, or who've acted with very famous people and who themselves are becoming more and more known mm. and getting bigger and bigger reputations. All sorts of people. So they're all all up and coming people. Well, some of them are, are very well established and mm. well known for what they do and still up, still up and coming at the same time, still getting bigger and better all the time. Uh, but... It would be very difficult for a, a writer to be recognised in the street. Mm. There aren't many writers who are JK. stopped and mobbed. Even J.K. Rowling, the most famous writer. It's unlikely that she'd be recognised. Oh, she's really worried about it. If she didn't want to be recognised... No, she, she could easily... She could easily it. blend in. Dan Brown, mega, mega selling author. Do you even know what he looks like? He's old, isn't he? <laughs> oh, is that... That narrows it down? Yeah. <laughs> So, it's unusual for a writer to get that level of visual recognition, even if their name is incredibly well known. For actors, obviously, it's often the other way around. Their face is very well known. So I have friends who are in, or who have over the years been in various TV adverts, and they get recognised, mm. but no one's quite sure why they recognise them and they don't know their name. Yeah. Oh, that's sort of like that pseudo fame thing. Yeah. So it depends the most demoralising way. It's like, oh, I think I, I think I know you. Yeah. I might have seen you somewhere. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm very lucky that I have well. a lot of very talented friends and doing and doing fascinating things, which is always very entertaining to hear about. Do you ever collaborate? Yeah. Well, when I was straight out of university, I collaborated with John Finnamore, who is a very well-known, well-established, and award-winning and excellent writer. Now he mainly writes comedy for Radio 4 and for, for BBC TV. And uh, he's fantastic. He's a, a brilliant writer and uh, we collaborated on a musical when I was just out of university. He wrote the book and lyrics, I wrote the music. Uh, so he's a well-known... I mean, he's someone that wouldn't get recognised in the street, necessarily, but is very well-known in the circle mm. in, which he, in which he works, rightly so, because he's very talented. Similarly, other writers and actors of that ilk. Mm. I'm not going to start name-dropping. No. That's, that's the only name I'm yeah. going to drop. Just I can't think seriously with that blanket on. <laughs> it's not a blanket, it's a doggy.
No, he's got blanket <laughs> as well. Yeah. It like cat. It's like he thinks he's a cat. He perhaps. thinks he's a cat. He doesn't usually get to sit on my lap. So he's on it. <laughs> it's the dog and the blanket. Naturally, <laughs> for the video watchers, this will be on YouTube. This is a very well. soothing way of doing an interview. I've got to say, just mm. having the dog on my lap. Now he's finally settled. It's stroking all. him. It's just it's making me say things that I wouldn't normally say. Reveal the innermost secrets of my desires. I'm going to do some quick pop questions here. Oh, right, OK. I'm going to try this, yeah. Um, If you had to write for a national paper, which would it be? I don't believe in newspapers. You don't believe in newspapers, That's a ridiculous answer. (laughs) I don't believe in newspapers. Don't believe in them. They're not real. That's just what I couldn't think of one at the time. Um, uh, No, I don't read any newspapers. I don't really like newspapers. If I could write for a newspaper, I would probably... uh, uh, This is not a very quick answer, because I'm, I'm torn here. Do, do I want to write for a newspaper that's very widely read? Yeah. Do I want to write to a newspaper, write for a newspaper where I could try to change it from the inside, but believe that it's evil, like the Daily the Mail? Mail? Yeah. Yes. If I could write for the Daily Mail and bring it down from the inside, and or just try gradually and perniciously to change the opinions of the people that read it and write for it, then that would be good. But if it's somewhere... If I wanted to write for a paper that was read more widely, then it would be The Sun... I think the skill of the people who write for the sun is huge. But it takes great skills to write all that stuff. Oh shit, day after day. Yeah, but just you know, to make it instantly appealing to a mass audience. That's mm. not easy. Nice, uh, true, actually. But I suppose I'd, I don't. Um, the Times or the Guardian. That was a really slow, long, unfocused answer to a quick question. Mm. I'll try and do better with the next one. Okay. Oh. Um, this is a question that was asked at one of my other interviews. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Although I don't really like either. <laughs> okay, um, what do you like? Um, green tea. <laughs> it's fruit juice. Fruit juice. smoothies. Mm. Yeah, all kinds of fruit juice. Apple juice. My drink is apple juice. Not enough bars. Serve apple juice. Serve good apple juice. Are you... Or any apple tea juice. Teetotal then? Yeah, I don't really drink. Every now and again I have a, a bit of whiskey if I'm playing poker. A bit of port if I'm eating cheese, maybe... I might every now and again if I'm having sushi pair it with some sake but I've only started doing that lately but I'm not really a drinker you don't like beer or wine you're, you're so suddenly you sound old so you've got you, this on in front yeah, of me you've got a blanket but I never have I mean that, that's been true of me for, for however I've never really mm. drunk even through university too busy writing music and <laughs> yeah drinking green tea drinking green tea yeah uh, oolong tea as well oolong <laughs> <laughs> so what would be your perfect meal sushi just possibly which also involved truffle oil somewhere or truffles which you can get there's a sushi place near Warren Street which is one of my favourite places that does a particular sushi probably the most delicious mouthful of food I've ever had was scallop with a bit of truffle oil on on some rice it's just incredible um that would be a good meal, followed by my dad's chocolate mousse. Good. Or my mum's apple crumble. Good cooks? Yeah, really good. But you don't do much cooking yourself. I do a lot of cooking. Do you? I thought you said you couldn't be asked. Bothered, I think is what you said at the time, actually. Um, but... No, I do a lot of cooking. But, um, so, yeah. Well, because I work at home every day, every meal, I can You have lavish. to prepare yourself, yeah. Yeah, I can... Do you lavish lady wife, or is this... Yeah, she's a very good cook as well. Unfortunately, we cook different things, so... Oh, right. Uh, we'll take your turns and cook different records. Every day, if you're at home. Sorry? You're... Why aren't you cooking for her every day? I sometimes do. Sometimes do. Sometimes she, either she cooks for me or I cook for her. It just depends. 
it just depends what ingredients we've got depends who fancies it we don't cook together much mm, no I think that'd get quite annoying difficult to cook together unless one person is clearly in control and can issue the other person orders and who would that be well it doesn't matter we can take it oh you're going to share this yeah, as long as we establish from the get go alright you're cooking I'm just helping or vice versa mm. if we if we blunder in trying to co-captain it's a disaster because we do things differently Oh, right. So you're quite. Are you are you and your wife opposites then, or are you similar in a lot of aspects? We're similar in a lot of aspects. We just have different. Works. We often have different routes to get to a similar result. Mm. That's what I'll say. Or we have sometimes we have different attitudes to certain things. Uh, always in a quite a healthy way. I think it's always good. You don't want to. You don't want to be married to someone who's identical to you. Be boring. Be a bit um, self-absorbed. Yeah, who would make me the most amazing... Marianne makes an amazing fish pie. Marianne's great skill, genius I would say, is in creating an amazing meal when I didn't think there were any ingredients in the house. I don't know how she does it. Oh, so you look in the cupboards, you see nothing. I'll look in the cupboards in the fridge and go, oh, we haven't got any food, oh, we might have to get a takeaway, I'll go out. She'll go, oh, it's all right, I'll make fish pie, or I'll make this, or I'll make casserole, or something else. And suddenly, an amazing meal has appeared, and I'll look at it and try to work out where the things on my plate came from in the house, and I don't know. It's she's, incredible. She's hidden them to stop you eating them during yeah, the day, I, I think. <laughs> and for me, I will cook in a different way, and I'll go and get particular ingredients. And... Mm. So I've just realised how uneven my beard is at the minute. It's right, you're not on film. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good thing I'm not on film. What I've not been put off by the good imbalance of your be. beard. Um, <laughs> one thing you would change about this country... <laughs> It can be as small or as large as you want. There are several things I change about this country. I'm not sure how readily I want to say them. List some without... I don't believe... List all of them. This is a free and open interview. Can we explain this at the start? I'm not going to make many friends saying these things. Well, you've already insulted the Welsh, the Scottish and the Irish. I didn't insult them. And Beyonce. I just impersonated them. (laughs) (laughs) It's entirely different. It was a... Well, yeah... (laughs) I, I said how nice the Welsh accent is. I wanted to do a Welsh accent because <laughs> it's so beautiful, but I can't. Uh, yeah, I would change a few things about this country. This is getting into territory where I'm going to annoy some people. You're always going to annoy people in life. True. This is a fact, and you can't continue living... Well, you can't live worrying about it because you'll never get anywhere. True. All right, well, I would entirely change the way that the education system works. I would change the way that... The BBC works. I would change the way that the nation operates with regard to religion, and particularly religious education. Are you religious? No. <laughs> uh, so I don't want to get too controversial. No, no. Or annoy too Anything many people. Else? But I think there are some very damaging things going on, and things that I don't <laughs> approve of, um, and that annoy me. And uh, speed bumps. Get rid of speed bumps. Speed bumps. Yeah. Okay, so BBC, what would you change? Yeah, I don't approve of the way the BBC, or the whole concept of the BBC, I think, is now anachronistic. Some weird system where we all have to pay 150 quid a year just because we own a TV so that they can go off and make programmes and have a website and do all sorts of other stuff over which we have no control and about which we have. No interest. 
<laughs> so you would, what, scrap the licence fee? Broadly speaking, yeah. And then what about all of the output that BBC offer? Are you quite happy to see that go? Yeah. You are. And what would you watch? Well, what you've got to ask is, how much of that is actually a public service? Is it in the national interest, a public broadcast service? That, it's, that it was set up... When it was set up, there were no other channels. Mm. And the idea of us all contributing was so that it could exist and so that certain essential things could operate, like, so that there could be a national news service on the TV, which otherwise, well, the type won't set up, would have been radio, but they scrapped the radio licence fee, eventually, mm. took ages, and then made it a TV licence fee. So it doesn't doesn't work for me. <laughs> You're not interested in that, then? And to me, the quality or otherwise of the programmes they put out isn't really relevant. As it happens, a lot of the programmes that people hold up as reasons to keep the licence fee, I don't even think are very good, mm. and I don't like, and I think other channels do them better. <laughs> OK. So, um, um, yeah. I'm not a fan of... Uh, some of the programmes I like, but I'm... I just don't like the way the whole thing operates and it's paid for. Or the fact that you have to pay for it. Yeah. Uh, would you... Um, Especially because I've got Sky. Yeah. So I'm paying for that anyway. <laughs> would you... Um, actually, I don't say why I keep saying would you. What is it about education you would change? Because I, I, we're not going to touch on religion because... Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't it a shame that religion is so controversial, though, that we can't touch on religion? Well, I'm happy to touch on religion. You seem quite... Um, well, I'm not aware that it's... Going to end up with my books being burned. <laughs> and, but then I have to have been bought first. Yes, as soon as you bought them first. <laughs> so your issue is invalid. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of education, to come back to education, is constricting rather than constructive. If I can contrast those two. Uh, obviously there are some wonderful people in education doing, doing amazing work. Teachers particularly, librarians. But generally, they, they seem to be doing amazing work in trying to get around the system they work in, and despite the general, <laughs> the general atmosphere in which, in which they're having to operate. So if you could harness the talents of those people in a more effective way, you'd have uh, a different system. Most of our education system is set up on outmoded... Sort of, outmoded grounds for historical reasons rather than the system that you would design now if you were starting from scratch and obviously that's over idealistic you can't just start from scratch no, you but there are certain things that don't quite work and the way that it gets tinkered with doesn't seem to really help just little things get tinkered and then changed back and mm. then money gets put into certain things and then taken back, taken back and put in somewhere else yeah. so no one really knows what's happening from year to year and that's very damaging yes and tricky and doesn't help all of these amazing people who are trying to do the work of actually inspiring and educating kids so it doesn't help okay. monarchy monarchy keep or scrap monarchy is an interesting one I am um, strangely as someone who's against the BBC and against religion I don't really mind the monarchy <laughs> so you keep the monarchy <laughs> yeah I keep the monarchy I th even in purely commercial terms they make the country money so <laughs> It's great, you know, uh, and they don't actually have any power. Have... Now that they've uh, allowed women to accede to the throne, that's good. 
on equal footing with men. I think that was overdue. Mm, somewhat, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they could do more good than they do, but maybe that would be a, a dangerous precedent. If they started stepping in and interjecting on political things, that mm. would be very damaging in the long run if they tried to do that in a bad way. And actually, just having them as symbolic figureheads is probably Charles better. is going to yeah. be fantastic when he comes into power. Yeah. He, and that they do yeah. all loads of great charity stuff, so that's all very good. So, you know, I have nothing against them. And as long as they don't actually have any power. As long as they do. But I don't really like the system that we've got for electing the people who do have power. Mm. I think it's a terrible system. So I changed that's that. Right away. Yeah, that's it. And the system of people being elected for four or five years and then having to be elected again. What would you rather? Well, me in charge. Naturally. Naturally. Dictatorship. Okay. Obviously. So there's no need for anyone else. No need for anyone else. And that's it. That's, that's it. It's a very <laughs> simple Yeah, so system. what did you vote for on the AV? Um, did you vote? Yes, I wanted them to change it to... AV. To AV. Seems like a better system. Has its pros and cons. Yeah, has its pros and cons. It wasn't perfect, but it was a step in the right direction. Mm. Well, we got destroyed. So, <laughs> <laughs> first past the post it is, I'm afraid. Yeah. Europe. It's there. Europe there it is. is. We're in it. Mm. Good or bad? <laughs> well, I'm a big a fan politics of, student, so I'm kind of happy to be a big fan of well. um, cheese and salami, so I've got to be pro Europe. You know? ah. that's, <laughs> that's a fantastic reason to stay in the Eurozone. <laughs> We've got cheese, don't worry about the country. <laughs> the financial yeah. stuff. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear because I'm conscious of people who might listen, but I just yeah, that's right. it's probably These are too big late. questions, though. These are big questions. I know, they were going to be pop questions, and now it's just like, no, no, we'll carry on the interview, yeah. which is an hour and 18. That's all right, carry on. Yeah. Good, good pop questions. Um, why do you feel uncomfortable moving out of London? <laughs> I've always lived in London, I love it, and I love what it means to be in London. It's such a great city, and having everything as I like it and at my doorstep. And I know it's not perfect, and lots of people don't like city existence. But where I am in London, it's a very nice area and close to, to the heath, so we can walk this big lump of dog, which is great, and you get outdoors a lot. And you can get anywhere from London, really, so if you want to get out, you can. Mm. Great food, great people, music, theatre, cinema. Great and, yeah, anything I want to do at any time of day or night, I can go and do. Oh, it's so good. I was walking through um, Trafalgar Square last night at like 8 or 9 o'clock, and Nero's was still open. Cafe Nero was still open. Embrace Evans, it's it's closed yeah. at 6. It was like, yeah. yes. I hate the way things close on Sundays. That's a rule I'd change. You change that as well, would you? Yeah. Sunday laws about when you can open or not. No, but this is religion again, isn't it? Playing the past. Yeah, but that shouldn't be connected to religion, really, should it? Day of rest. Oh, there you go. It's not a day of rest, though, is it? They are still open on Sunday. It's a day of panic homework writing or something like that. It's a day of panic homework (laughs) writing. Brown or white bread? Depends on the type of bread. Sorry, I'm not going to... You're not not going to quick top answer from me as well. I've just bought a really nice... It's a kind of baguette, but I'm not really a huge fan of standard baguette. But it's a kind of baguette that they that they do at the supermarket, which is really nice. I love tiger bread as well. Tiger bread. Morrison's amazing. tiger bread is amazing. Mm. I want Sainsbury's is quite good. Not, yeah, each each supermarket has their mm. own different type of tiger bread. But I my favourite is Morrison's. Cheese topped. I don't like the cheese topped ones. No, it's quite good. Is it? Uh, <laughs> is it? I do like it. Um, Marmite. Um, 
I don't. We don't have it. I don't really eat it out of a tub. He does. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how Marmite is. Spooning Marmite out of there. Yeah, but I don't hate it. I like Twiglets. Okay, cool. Twiglets are, made of Twiglets are good. Are Twiglets a holy Christmas thing for you, or can you eat them at any time of the year? I didn't know Twiglets were a Christmas thing. Twiglets are Christmas things. I say people. I associate Twiglets with Christmas. Really? Mm. Oh, I didn't know that. No, Twiglets, I don't generally buy Twiglets, but if someone has a packet, I'll... Eat them off, yeah. yeah. Punch them, yeah. take it off them, and then... Like you've got the share, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, Christmas, overrated now? Or, um, <laughs> staying on the theme, is it... Has it become too commercialised to really um, deserve to continue existing? <laughs> Would you abolish Christmas? I'm, I wouldn't abolish Christmas. <laughs> Um, it's nice that everyone has a break at the same time. That's good. I don't like the religious aspect of it. I'm, maybe I'm going to be alone in saying that it should be more commercial. <laughs> One of the few. Yeah, it should be more about shopping and eating. And, you know, less about the praying stuff. Mm, are you, are you like, really against God, then? Or is it that you just don't like how he how people will force it on other people's lives? Or is it just you are fundamentally against the idea of a super... You are... Yeah, okay. afraid so. Yeah, yeah, afraid so. That's fair enough. That's your opinion. Yeah, I, I I'm tentative about putting my opinion on that forward forcefully, mm. unless it's with people that I know very well. well so you've met me because it's terrible. Totally, it's, yeah. it's a it's a very emotive issue for a lot of people. So I'm not going to blunder in there and say <laughs> this, that, and the other. I I like a I like a nice discussion about it. I like a nice sensitive discussion about about all of those issues. Well, I studied philosophy for three years, so I must get yeah, something out of that. Student. Yeah, that was my uh, degree subject. I thought you did writing, I don't know why. No, I didn't even do English A level. I did I... philosophy AS. Oh, did you? Did you yeah. I did enjoy it. I really loved it. I wanted to carry it on, but I, all my, my grades I thought I was going to get, they were completely different, so yeah. it was kind of like, oh, although I did really well in philosophy, I'm going to have to drop it so I can carry on the subject mm. I wanted to study at uni and got a C in, mm. which is ridiculous. Um, but this isn't about me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not, you can edit that out. It's just a sensitive subject. I will edit. Yeah, yeah, I probably will. I won't even talk <laughs> in an ideal world. Um, is bottled water necessary? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, it's too expensive though, isn't it? It's overpriced. Mm. They should just have tap water in a bottle for a really low price available. In shops. And you buy your own bottle. Yeah, but sometimes you're stuck without it, or you don't want to carry on with you out of the house, or you've drunk it all. But if you had a choice of however much it is, like 150 for a bottle of Evian or whatever it is, or 30p, which is still quite a lot for tap water. Weird, I had 30p in my mind. Yeah. 30p for a bottle of tap water. And it would say on the bottle, it's just tap water. It's polluted. It's got no benefits except it's water. So it's been yeah. through seven other humans. Yeah, yeah. Before you. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Cool. Do you speak any other languages? No. No. Learned French at school, to A level. You did it to A level? Yeah, I did French A level. But I've, I've lost most of it. I can still bumble by and understand a fair bit, but I'm nowhere near fluent. I'm, I have that weird thing where. My, my confidence is a lot higher than my ability. Oh, right. It's usually okay. the other way around mm. languages, especially for English people. But I'm quite happy to go and blunder through a conversation with a French person where I don't really know what's going on or what I'm trying to say, but, you know, 
seems quite fun. Okay. Just because I like talking to people, really. I think... Did German at school as well. Mm. Did German GCSE, not A-level. Uh, can't a star. Can't speak a word of it. Can I hear the only German sentences that I can remember? Go on. This, these are the only German sentences. I got an A-star at GCSE, and now the only things that I can say in German, and this includes things like getting to the station. I can't ask for directions to the station. Mm. I can't order a coffee other than by saying, coffee... I don't even drink coffee, so that would be pointless. Yeah. <laughs> but my only German sentences are... Ich habe mich sinnlos besoffen. I have drunk myself stupid. What? <laughs> he learned this at GCSE. Well, I don't know where I learned that. But also <laughs> I can say... Der Schnurrbart war vermutlich angeklebt. The moustache was supposedly stuck on. What were you doing? Or, <laughs> der Schnurrbart war nicht sicher angeklebt. The moustache was not stuck on properly. Oh, <laughs> okay. I I don't know what you were doing at your GCSE. And there's another one. Oh, oh yeah, and also just random bits of vocab that I still have in my head that I haven't forgotten. Codletten is sideburns, and a Tomschwenkerpfer is atomic warheads. And that is all of my German, apart from Jahr and Nine, and that's by dry. I try dry. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Yeah. You just heard all of my German. A why have you got sideburns? You can't make Zimlos Bazoffen. I don't I don't understand. I think I get this quite well in Germany. You, just that moment. Yeah. Up. Just I've drunk myself stupid. My moustache is missing. Yeah, yeah. Moustache yeah. <laughs> wasn't stuck on properly. I've drunk myself stupid. Atomic Nine. Nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just arrest you. Um, okay, so you did a French A level. Yeah. I want the next answer to be answered in French. Ah, well done. Why is there a frog propping your door open? Un grenouille. Un grenouille. Un grenouille. Uh, parce que j'ai une collection de grenouilles. Grenouilles. Gren I don't know how to say the word. Grenouille. 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 Yeah. Grenouille. J'ai une collection de grenouilles. Depuis plusieurs années. And translate. Does that even make sense? For many years I've had a collection of frogs. I collect frogs. I have done since I was very little. What, real live ones Très petit. Very little. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have that clip. Petit. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave it completely contextless <laughs> and let people make their own mind up about it. Uh, yeah, so I've done that. Just There's frogs everywhere. Everywhere, yeah, just go around the room and you'll see some frogs. What is your... Why? What draws you to frogs? I don't even know. One of my earliest memories is Kermit. having a few little frogs by my bed. No, I think I discovered Kermit after I started collecting frogs, even. My, my parents are into collecting things and wanted each of their kids to have a collection of something. Once I had two or more of something, that was a collection. There you go. <laughs> You've got a collection frogs. of ears and eyes. And yeah, and from then on, people just bought me frogs. Cool. So, are you excited about the new Muppet movie? I'm incredibly excited about the new Muppet movie. Unbelievably so. The, the early Muppet movies are amazing, and they're some of my favourite films. The first Muppet movie, which is called The Muppet Movie, from the 70s. Have you seen that? I, I've, not, I've not really followed The Muppets. I didn't do that. Oh, brilliant. Muppets Christmas Carol, I did. Yeah, see, that's one of the... It's all right. That's one of the weaker ones. You've got to watch The Muppet Movie, mm. The Great Muppet Caper, and then The Muppets Take Manhattan. The Muppets Take Manhattan. Which is the weakest of the three. I was going to say, that sounds like the Smurf movie. But the Muppet movie and the Great Muppet Caper, they're two really good films. I will, I will buy 
those <laughs> awesome those films at some point. Two of my favourites. Yeah, I grew up with Sesame Street and The Muppet Show. I'm a huge Muppet fan. What is your view on the Digital Millennium Bill? Um, which basically allows like internet service providers to yeah. control your internet, depending on the websites you go on. Mm. Predominantly Pirate Bay. Yeah, it seems like... Pop question. Control... Oh, it's a pop question, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. I've given up on that. Great pop question. Uh, controlling people's access to content has become incredibly important. So, for example, Google. It's the most obvious example. It's not so much the content itself. It's... Data harvesting. Yeah, it's the interface that people use. Or it's the device people do it on. But mainly it's the, you know, the, the gateway. And if you control those gateways, then you control everything. That's, that's it, isn't it? So that seems like an important thing. Mm-hmm. So you think it's okay to have that? Uh, not necessarily, no. I'd rather everything were free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you agree with pirating? Mm, well, no, obviously not. Obviously not. But the way that things are paid for, the, the model that we have for paying for particularly creative content was not designed for the modern digital world. Mm. And that's a big problem. There's issues there. And at some point, something's got to change. Otherwise, you won't have any new music or any new writing unless it's by hobbyists who are doing it for free. Or doing it for the love. There always will be people doing it for the love. Some of them might be good, but you're going to rule out the people who do it professionally and you're going to eliminate the level of professional writing and creating of art, music, poetry, writing, whatever it is. Mm. And that's going to be a a cultural black hole. Mm. So who's in the wrong... Is it the content providers or is it the people who perhaps have a... Gen- oh, this is, I'm now loading the question. But um, is it like people who have a genuine interest in the music but perhaps can't afford... Well, it's not a case of can't afford it but don't want to pay. Well, there is this argument yeah. that people who pirate music, so it's just mm. limited to that, people who pirate music also cons- consume more music and also buy more music. That's one argument. Mm. I think to a certain extent that's backwards. And that actually it's people who buy more music consume more music, so they need to pirate more music. Mm. So it doesn't really work to say that letting people pirate music actually helps the industry somehow or creates new fans. There might be some music that I hear that I've got for free because I, and I wouldn't otherwise have heard it. It's, you know, like... Well, giving stuff away for free has always been a very good... Way of getting it. PR model, yeah, like iTunes do a free single of the week, or like if I gave away my first book for free to get people interested in it, the I'd idea be. book for free anyway. Yeah, well then they would buy the rest mm. of the series, that's the idea anyway. I did, yeah. Uh, so there you go. So that's a good way, of, good way of doing it, but that's to attract new people who wouldn't discover it otherwise. People who are voracious readers and read everything and would read it anyway, you don't want to be giving them stuff for free. <laughs> you want to be incensed up like money? Yeah, it's, think. it's tricky. So I, I think people need to realise that when they pirate stuff, they're nicking it. But the trouble is that who they're nicking it from, generally speaking, is not actually the artist. It's the record company, and I think the record companies have to change the way they operate and have to be much fairer to the artists 
And if an artist is operating independently, generally they're controlling their stuff and it's much harder to pirate it. Do you, have you, do you, I don't suppose by any chance you've read the article I've written on record labels? No, I haven't. Oh. Tell me about that. Uh, tell it in a nutshell. I basically, well, I can tell you the title, which is just record for labels need to reform or face death. Yeah, it's pretty. Seems to sum it up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you you might like it. Yeah. Or being an author, you might tear it apart. I Please don't know. So like, yeah. oh, look, that'd be interesting. I'll, I will send that to you at some point. Okay. I feel like we should be sort of like summarising. Yeah, let's let's um, wrap things up. It's been it's been good. It's been good. It's been we've spoken for an hour and thirty four minutes. That's longer than I've ever spoken for. And people will be listening. Hopefully, still be listening. I think those who have listened for the whole thing should just be sort of like celebrated. You should get some kind of prize. Mm. Maybe this should be rewarded with a joke. Go, go, Joe. You. My favourite. You know my favourite joke. Go on. David why Cameron. does a Why does a giraffe have such a long neck? I don't know. That's why the giraffe has such a long well, neck? Because its head and its body are so far apart. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it just wouldn't work. <laughs> As an animal, it would be poorly designed. Anti climax. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank Killing you for this. having me. Well, we should do all of your publication media stuff. Um, advertise yourself. Go, go, go. Uh, JoeCraig.co.uk is the website. Uh, there's a Facebook fan page which you can find through that website and I'm on Twitter Joe Craig UK is my thing on Twitter what have I forgotten? Books buy books. books yeah buy my books Jimmy Coates books Lifters go and check out the album have a, have a good listen to that album. the title of the album is The Songman and Me Volume 1 you can listen to it all for free through my website as well and then you can download the tracks if you want them or order an actual physical CD yes I made an actual physical CD that's how old-fashioned I am. But you can also download it all, yeah. so do that too. Anything <laughs> else? Hi, everyone. Hi, Mum. Uh, <laughs> not Dad. You excluded him. Ah, he's all right. Ah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dad is all. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. Thank Jay, you. For this. It's been great. <laughs> Bye. Well, that was the latest interview from myself, Tom Innes. Um, thank you for listening. Again, we'll go through the usual spiel of please rate this in iTunes, tell your friends subscribe to it if you haven't and all of that luck but also now if you are wanting to hear an interview from a particular person or if you are a celebrity haha then um email me at podcast at tominnis.com and i'll get back to you and see what we can do thanks <laughs>